Get ready for the upcoming Utah Jazz season at the Jazz Team Store end of summer sale. August 26th through the 28th at Vivint Arena. Get deals on the latest jazz gear. Come down today, man. See me. And not for Hoko. See me. I'll be there. From 2 to 6. You filling in. Jake's vacationing. Correct. You'll be... uh, Messing with Gordon for four hours. Correct. Going to hit him up with his plagiarizing again? Oh. <laughs> then his expensive vacations. Yeah. And his long fishing stories. You have plenty to make fun of. It's all yeah. new material. First week of the month, I write that BYU is going to have to uh, validate this last season with this season. And then last week, he writes the same thing. I called him on it. I told him my lawyers are going to be uh, talking to him. Nice. In fact, he might be served with a subpoena today because I know he has to be there. Thank you for reminding me. I've got this attorney. She calls herself Hell on Heels. (laughs) (laughs) Or Hell in Heels, I guess. I don't know. You're on heels or in heels? (laughs) DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Frank Dolce. Our Utah Utes insider, former Utah quarterback, joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. PK from the South Bay. Sup. Man, it's great, to, uh, it's great to catch up with you guys again. It's great it, to be caught up. It is so close to the start of football. You are ready. All, all ready. I'm always ready. I was really hopeful that the AAF uh, hashtag full speed ahead was going to this was going to be something because I liked spring football. I liked having Weber State play football in the spring, um, but I guess we're going to go back to we're going back to normal. So it's just going to happen in the fall again. So when you see Brett McMurphy projecting Utah to the Rose Bowl, is that a little more than you had in mind for them? You think that's about right? It's uh, there's three or four teams, and it's a wild scramble at the top. So Brett could really write anything, any one of those three, four, five teams in there, and you'd be okay with it. What are you thinking when you see that? I think that maybe it says more about the Pac-12 than it does about. Uh, Utah, and where all those teams fit. So Utah certainly has this consistency under Coach Whittingham, and like say, say, it feels like the same thing we talked about for a long time with Utah. They'll bring de- they'll bring a defense to start, and then maybe try and figure out a little bit of what's happening on the on the offensive side. And I do like that Coach Ludwig is there for his third year. I think that is enormous on the offensive side, but a little. I still feel like there's a little uncertainty about how that offense per, will perform. We just don't have the same kind of feeling about, you know, hey, Utah's defense is going to be solid. They replaced some guys. They kept some guys. They're super athletic in the back end, so we're going to be fine on defense. Um, but how are you know how are we going to be on offense? Running back by committee. 
a very accomplished quarterback, but still breaking in a new quarterback who probably doesn't have the same type of assets around him that he had at his previous stop. An offensive line that's a little bit of a question mark right now. He does have two really good tight ends, so I think that's a big bonus. But question mark on the offensive side. So, so back to your point of, yeah, to, I, I believe that this is a Utah team that, that could make the Rose Bowl and finally go down to USC and, and win at the Coliseum and, and come out with a, maybe a one-loss record in Pac-12 play. Um, but it probably says you know, as much about the Pac-12 as it does about Utah. Really bugs me with this Charlie Brewer. You know, he has all these stats coming over from Baylor, and we've heard so many media folk in their preseason talks about the Utes say, "Well, you know, they're they're getting a quarterback who hasn't been this accomplished and going into the season, blah blah blah, and maybe going into the season." But it's hard for me to imagine that he's going to be better than what my man Tyler Huntley was as a senior because it's just a couple years ago, but it seems like we forget that kid was really, really good and deserved to be in the Heisman conversation. So it's hard for me to imagine that the offense is going to be better than it was in 2019. I don't imagine that. I mean, I'm in, I, I'm, I fully align with your thinking on that. Like, I, I think all of the stats that Brewer brings in, I think the way that he's practiced and the stuff that we see on film, all of that looks really good. And But I just am not willing to, to make a statement about where he fits in the, U, in the history of Utah quarterbacks um, until we see him you know, under the lights in a, in a Utah uniform under that scenario with, with Utah's offense running down the field. So... I think that it, there's lots of hope uh, based on what he's done and the, based on the way he's managed everything so far. But um, I would still put the productivity of Huntley. He had that stretch where, you know, he's completing like 75% yeah. of his passes. Right. And, you know, and Utah was rolling down the field. Now, he did have the luxury of, of a guy named Zach Moss who sure. was averaging almost six yards a carry. And that's. I mean, that's the quarterback's best friend is a strong running game, and, and Tyler Huntley certainly had that. But Ludwig was able to, to manage him appropriately, and so I, I think that's probably the highlight in recent Utah quarterback history. And hope, I, I mean, I'm hopeful that Brewer can get to that point. It, all the, everything that we see about him points to the fact that he could get to that point, but I'm just not willing to say that, say that until we see it. So you're not ready for him to guarantee that he's going to average like 10 yards an attempt and uh, five touchdowns for every pick the way Tyler did? Uh, well, to be honest, I mean, that, that's, those are fantastic stats. I like, the, I like the five touchdowns for every pick. That's, mm-hmm. and, and I know that you know, Coach, everybody knows that Coach Whittingham abhors interceptions and turnovers so that would that would be probably at the top of his list i would like to see i mean uh i think that yards per attempt number yards per completion number probably is something that could be um managed a little upward i think that would be helpful but if 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 utah has uh like they traditionally have had a strong running game and managing the line of scrimmage then then all you really need is 10 yards 
per, per was that per attempt or per completion? I'm not sure. What it it attempt, says Y slash A. Ten yards attempt is what I per, took. Yeah, per attempt, yeah. yeah. Ten yards per attempt. So if if all of the other factors are in place, then completing 70-plus percent of your passes and 10 yards per attempt is going to be pretty good. Oh, um, for sure. But we just have to see, yeah, we'll just have to see if if the running game um, develops the way that it has in the past. So this running game really intrigues me because I've been in this market now for 28 years, and it's probably not the case, but it seems like they've had 28 1,000-yard rushers because they always run the ball. <laughs> and I'm sure there's been a few that hasn't happened, but I can't remember them, or as I can rename the running backs roll off the tongue. And, I mean, I think they would have been picked first if the tragedy to the young fellow Taylor, Tyler, Tyler. Yeah, Jordan didn't happen, um, but obviously it did. And so it, the unusual aspect of the training camp so far has been four guys. And how are they going to find a starter from four guys? Because it seems they keep telling us that you know they're all right there. And so if they're all right there, then they're all going to get a shot. I would think, maybe not, and how's it going to be that they could go with four guys? Because you look at the tradition of the Utah running back position, it may start out as a competition. Even last year with Ty Jordan started out as a competition, but by the second or third game, there was no longer a competition. It was his job, and it was going to be his job for the next three years until he went off to the NFL. So I'm wondering how they find somebody to emerge, or do you think it's possible to have this rotation? If you have the production that equals a super running back, it doesn't matter, but is it possible to be able to have that when you're juggling guys in and out, or do they need that one dude, and how are they going to get to that point? Yes, there's lots of, lots of good questions in there. One is I think we have to go back and, and recognize that Utah never has a starting quarterback at the start of a season. Zach Moss wasn't a starting running back. Excuse me, running back. Zach Moss wasn't a starting running back. Devontae Booker wasn't a starting running back. All of those guys had, were in this running back by committee scenario until two, three games in, and then everybody was like, wait. Well, that's the guy. It was an obvious thing. That's the guy. Right, but I'm wondering, and, can it be done out of four? Oh, it doesn't seem like they had four to choose from in the past. I, 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 I mean, I think that the four, the number four is kind of a, hey, we have four guys here competing for the job. Inside the ropes, I'm guessing it's more like, okay. hey, we have these two guys. So it's a little coach. And we speak. have these other we other we have these other two guys. Yeah. We're pretty good too, but you know we have four guys. Okay. So I I think that we'll we'll go into probably two or three maybe more three games into the season, and somebody will emerge. You can't have running back by committee with four guys in game scenarios. That just won't work. I've never seen a running back who can be productive with 12 carries a game. I mean, that just, that just doesn't happen. Right, right. So the, the best running backs need 20-plus carries a game. Yeah. And so maybe you could manage, if Utah's running the ball 40 times a game, which is reasonable, maybe you could manage a two-guy rotation. But three, once you get into three and four yeah. guys, unless you're using one as, as you know, the, the guy that just is a little different than everybody else, 
it just doesn't seem to work. So I could see a two-man rotation, but I think one of those guys is going to emerge two or three games. Well, what DJ's going to tell you is, Frank, they've got those two (laughs) cream puff games at the start to figure it out. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wait. For the big game two. three. <laughs> game three is huge. Two, two cream puff games to start. Yeah. Which, were, which were those? Well, you got we, Weaver we State BYU. BYU to get ready for the trip to Carson, California, Wait. the legendary venue and the home of San Diego State temporarily <laughs> while they build a new stadium. And they have a mediocre coach, so PK's just actually messing with you. <laughs> the youths are going to blow San Diego State off the field. He knows I don't like well, I don't like this coaching hire. I think they're going to be a 500 team. Blah, plus, blah, blah. I was disrespecting the Cougars because I knew I was trying to get oh. in good with Frank. Oh, got you. I thought you were disrespecting <laughs> Jay Hill and Weaver State, and I would take offense to that. Okay, a harder first game and then a cream puff second game. <laughs> and then a walk over third game. Jay Hill's my guy. Listen, I hope that Utah goes down to San Diego and – and takes care of business. I remember the days. I hope they go to San Diego too, because then they'll forfeit because they'll be in the wrong county. Oh yeah. Well, so I remember when when we went down to San Diego. We've had rough times. Utah's had rough times with San Diego. Alex Smith got just threw his first interception and got sacked twice in his first three snaps. Welcome home. When he, when, yeah, when he was brought back to to San Diego, who was. Who was uh, Mark Dan McGuire? Remember Dan McGuire, yeah. the six nine quarterback yeah. at San Diego State. It seemed like he threw for a thousand yards when we went down and played. Wow, at that's San a lot. Diego State. That's, that's better that's than Charlie of, Brewer. That's <laughs> a lot of yards. And and McGuire didn't have the background of, of Brewer. So I mean, big things for Brewer coming up. But but yeah, I mean, I yeah, I hope I hope that Utah can can manage San Diego State. Do, do you remember Ron McBride's walk-off interview after they missed a late kick to win what the game mean? and an extra point in overtime? That, and Frank gave it, didn't he? Was that, that I didn't give the interview. That was uh, probably Sharif. That, that may have been Sharif. I think it was Sharif, yeah. That and, was and, the onus of never doing a walk-off interview with Coach McBride again. He didn't get to... K- he stopped short of the. K- Eighty-five <laughs> percent oh. of the way to a disaster. Wait, I'm live. I can't say that word. He was moments away. He pulled back. Away. <laughs> he did. I remember oh, watching him thinking, was... "Oh no, no, no! Don't do that." Yeah, but very. I mean, it was kind of appropriate at the time. I think we all felt the same way. <laughs> To your point about the running backs, uh, they went into last season and uh, they had four running backs, but one of them got one carry. So they really had three in the opener. And one guy got five carries, and one got seven, and one got ten. Yeah, and and are, do any of those running backs remain? Bernard, who got the one carry for eight yards. Oh, Bernard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one, yeah the, one other, the other three were Ty Jordan, Jordan Wilmore, and Devin Brumfield. Yeah, I wonder how Wilmore and Brumfield are, are feeling about things. Oh, the they probably with, see who transferred in and probably think they did the right thing anyway. Maybe, and maybe that's true. Anyway, I think that I think the Utah running back position is uh, there's. I'm optimistic about it. There's no doubt. I don't think they they have the same productivity in the backfield they they had <sighs> if if uh, Ty Jordan were still around, but. But I, I'm optimistic about that position group, no doubt. Well, I am too, because I think that part of the deal when they recruit offensive linemen is they place a heavy emphasis on how good you are at run blocking, because that's what they do. 
And so yeah. they're, I don't know who it's going to be. I can't tell you who's going to emerge, but I would be very much surprised if in 10 weeks we don't look back and say, um, player XYZ emerged just like they always do, whoever it might be. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. No no question about it. So Kyle has talked about uh, how talented this team is and seems to have set a high bar here. And when you look the last two times uh, they won the division title, right, in 2018 and 19, they had five guys drafted, then seven. So, So at one point you got like 12 future NFL players on the roster. How many future NFL players do you see on the roster right now? Uh, I think I think there you you have uh Keithy on the offensive side. Um he's a he, he's a guy that I think is has that potential. You probably have I I'd like to see uh, I mean potential in the defensive backfield you have that but I it's the same thing that we were talking about earlier you just it's just potential right now there's there's probably two guys on the defensive line that have that that have that potential um, so I I mean conservatively I would say that Utah has three really solid prospects going into the season Uh I I kind of I'm on the fence about Britton Covey because I think that in the right scenario he has a shot but but it just he just has to be in the right he has to be in the right situation he's not a universal type of talent uh, so so he has to go to New so, England so he has to go to New England he has to go to I mean I think that New England like Seattle might is kind of a, a fit. He doesn't fit with the Raiders. Um, you, you know, maybe maybe with the Bucks because Tom Brady knows how to use that type of position. Um, if if Tom, who's who's older, Tom Brady or Britton Covey? There I mean, is that go. the running is that the running <laughs> thing right now? Yeah, <laughs> Tom Britton Covey. We were saying the other day, Britton Covey is the only guy who's uh, a preseason All-American in college but has a pension plan already set up at the <laughs> U. <laughs> so, but I'm excited to see I'm excited to see Covey, man. He looks just as energetic as ever, ready to go. So, so maybe so anyway, I think three 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 guys I think that are super solid NFL prospects and I'm on the fence about about Britton Covey depending if he gets a shot at the right place. And yeah. and other guys, I'm I think will emerge, and I'm I'm specifically looking at the defensive backfield because I think there's a lot of talent back there. Yeah, and obviously Devin Lloyd is going to just uh, waltz into the NFL. I mean, that guy screams NFL talent just he's, looking at him. He's he's darn good. Yeah, he really he is, is darn good. Yeah, he's going to have a massive season. He might be a first team All American. That wouldn't surprise me in the AP selection. Uh, yeah. We heard this news this week of this alliance. I don't know what degree you've been following it, but I listened to the whole thing the other day, and I mm-hmm. I, I I didn't put my I put myself on uh, mute so they couldn't hear me. But I'm screaming at the thing as I'm listening because they sent out a, a thing that you can a link is what I'm looking for to be able to do it. So I did it, and I'm screaming at it. What is this? And then a day later, we hear that SC. And LSU announced a series to be played or a game to be played in Vegas. 
and that's outside of this big alliance. I just can't figure out what in the world this alliance is going to do, and specifically, what is what do you think is in the best interest of the Pac-12? Because ultimately, that's what we care about. I I don't know. I mean, it feels pretty kind of reactionary to me. Like um, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's really well baked at this point or or I, I don't know even that well thought out at this point it feels like well we have to do something so let's talk about doing this uh, uh, I I don't know I I feel like uh, we're, we're headed down this path we've all talked about it of you know the power five conferences just taking over taking control of college football and this feels like the next step in that happening and kind of leaving, just leaving everybody else to fend for themselves. And so I would say that um, and this alliance thing is a reactionary move. I would be shocked if they're not in discussions, conversations with the SEC about how all of it, an alliance, the SEC expansion about how all of it works together to keep the power players at the top and then just let everybody else kind of do what they can do to, to maintain college football. Um, what, so, and so for the PAC 12, what's in the best interest of the PAC 12 to survive is just to be kind of to remain attached to all of the other power, to the, all the other power five conference is, is that that's in their best interest is to stay attached. I, I'm not, I don't think that, I mean, to say that the PAC 12 is irrelevant is, is harsh, but, but the PAC 12 hasn't really lived up uh, to the other conferences in, in, in lots of ways and, and in lots of ways in football, which is, you know, significantly important. So uh, that, that's my, my thought on it is PAC 12 kind of on this, the side of be, becoming irrelevant needs to stay attached to whatever's happening with the Power Five conferences to, to guarantee the survival of the conference. I think the thing that you want to say out loud is we're not going to let ESPN have this whole expanded postseason. Yeah. We're sending it to bid because CBS, I don't think, I think you were right about the Pac 12 has just been so diminished in football. ESPN will only take games largely. I mean, they're, they'll take the, the Notre Dame game and USC Oregon, but largely they only want to televise Pac-12 games in that last time slot, which means 8:30 kickoffs here, and so they need to yeah. get t- games on the other time. They need to keep CBS, CBS, and Fox involved. And CBS and Fox are they going to stay involved if they don't have a share of the postseason? An expanded, you know, 12. Yeah. So yeah. I think that they don't want to say we're here to outvote the SEC and make sure right. CBS and Fox get playoff games, but they're going to get it, and they're also going to televise our games at times when most of America is still awake. My heavens, doesn't it always boil down to that? Yeah. Like, it, that's just the state yeah. of the union for collegiate athletics, football especially. It just kind of always boils down to follow the, follow the money, follow the TV, and you'll kind of yeah. come up with your answer. TV has the money for now, but it'll be streaming services soon enough. You watch. And, yeah. and those may be, lim- yeah. you know, some of the TV networks may be doing that. ESPN will be for sure. Uh, but it may yeah. be somebody else. Yeah. Frank, we got to run. We will talk to you next week. Look forward to it. Man, it's great to catch up with you guys. Looking forward to college football season and 
And I think we're, we're talking about doing uh, every Tuesday morning, so that'll be a highlight of my week. There it is. Thank you, Frank. All right, guys. Good to talk to you. Kalen Hall, former BYU running back and father of BYU starting quarterback Jaron Hall will join us at 9.05 right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.